Just like honey, ladies and gents, welcome to the Football Ramble. Another Champions League clean sheet for Chelsea and Brentford at Premier League. It's Monday, 31st of May. I'm Marcus Speller. I'm Luke Moore. And I'm Vidusha the Hunter Raja. a bank holiday Monday in the kingdom we're having a lovely time though the roads were clear the sun was out and my goodness we still have a bit of a Champions League glow Luke Moore we do um, and as I always like to say I might have even mentioned this on the show before so forgive me if I have my friend's wife Okay, moved here from New Zealand, mm-hmm. heard everyone talking about bank holiday, had never seen it written down, thought it was Bengali day. <laughs> <laughs> and so we always call it Bengali day in my friendship group. Now. Nice. Yeah, so and you'd, you'd have food from that part of the ben- world? Yeah, yeah, you'd yeah, make yeah. a thing of it. Yeah, That's yeah. quite a good idea, should actually. Do. I think we should yeah. all do that. I, in retrospect, I wish we'd kept up the pretense. <laughs> but we're just so stunned that we didn't. Anyway. <laughs> oh, dear. Go. And how are you getting on, Vish? You, you enjoy that Champions League final? Oh, my goodness, what a tactical battle it was. I did. Or I wasn't did. If you were a Manchester City player, perhaps. Yeah. I mean, confusing. it can still be a tactical battle. Struggle. It's a tactical struggle. Yeah. Me, I feel. Yeah. I mean, the battle happened in Pep's head, didn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. A week before the game mm. actually kicked off. But um, no, I, I very much did enjoy it. I was at Wembley for the um, covering the playoff final. So mm-hmm. that was my that lovely. That was, that, that, was, well, that was a starter, wasn't it? Was it? And I came home for a lovely bit of dessert. Yeah. Luke and I have actually been to Wembley for a Champions League final. Yeah. So don't come at us with that. Okay? Yeah. I wasn't coming at you. I just you asked me, you asked me how my weekend oh, the was. Way, the way he said that was like he thought, oh, this will yeah. impress him. The Doesn't way... impress him up two old stages like <laughs> us, Vish. You've, you've carried on your appalling behaviour from Friday. <laughs> you showed well, no remorse. You had the weekend to show remorse. You probably went into confession yesterday. <laughs> I've, got some, oh, I've, done, I've done some terrible oh, things. Oh, I see. Like that, is it? I've got, low very, blow. I've got some very strong opinions <laughs> of that game on Friday. I didn't invent that game. <laughs> For it to be treated in that way. It's called Marcus's game, don't worry. I'm, yeah. the, I'm the one who's been taken. Okay, on a technicality, I'll let you get away with that. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, one thing I would say is it certainly made Pep's overthinking yeah. over the weekend mm. the second most overthinking part of the football. Well, I think Pep helped us to bury bad news there. <laughs> he did. With Fish, are you suggesting that Pep was so exhausted by the internal demons of the week leading up to the final that by the time he got to the final, he was like, you know what? Yeah. This is a bit of an anticlimax, really. I am going to pick Raheem Sterling. <laughs> I yeah. think it was that, yeah. I think that was that played a part. I think oh, I think man. the way he picked the team because he was so exhausted about thinking about it for so long is that he just picked the first eleven players that came to mind. Quite <laughs> sure, boss, you're definitely not going to pick Fernandinho Rodri. I've said what I've said. Yeah. <laughs> now leave me alone. I'm having a nap under a newspaper. I mean that that is. I can't go back on that. I'll be weak. <laughs> respect me after that. Oh man, it was. But it was. What was nice is though that it was. It was. It was great to have. Uh, well, fans in the stadium, of course. That, that's absolutely. That's always good to see. A shame though that a number of Chelsea fans um, handed back their tickets, understandably because of the ridiculous prices. Um, but fair play to the Man City owner for for paying the Manchester City fans travel, as we mentioned the other day. Um, great stadium to have a Champions League final. Yes. It was. It was nice to watch again, and I think with the Champions League final I don't know my suspicion is I think people it's the only game where everybody watching absorbs it in a kind of a tactical sense it's it's an, it's an, it's always an intriguing encounter and an, an encounter and with Thomas Tuchel and Pep Guardiola we've said this last week two of the biggest 
tactical football pervs going. They're both mm. really technical coaches, aren't they? They are. And, and, and <laughs> That's the way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> Is this why I don't get mainstream gigs? <laughs> uh, get a load of this. We're going to talk to the pervert right now, everybody. Um, lucky we uh, had a waist-high shot there. Um, but, yes, but, but they've faced each other a few times as, as managers in the past, uh, Vish. And, and obviously Guardiola got the better of him uh, largely in Germany. But you'd expect that because Tuchel, I think, was in charge of Mainz. I think it was Mainz when he was managing. I don't think it was Dortmund by the time um, Guardiola had gone, forgive me if that's wrong, but the last three times, Tuchel has had the better of him. And it seemed that Tuchel thought, well, I've got my blueprint and I'll just roll that out. And my surprise is that Guardiola has probably overthought that and think, well, oh, he's, he's, he's got the better of me. And we know he likes to overthink things. He'd, it, Guardiola had been so disciplined up to the final. And, and, and so what, why do you think he, he, he set out this formation in which we didn't see Rodri or Fernandinho start a game? Only the second time in, I think, 61 games, certainly this season. What, what, do, you, what do you think it was? Was it the Tuchel effect? I mean, no doubt that played a part in it. Um, you know, overthinking was a word that was used a lot over the weekend, mm-hmm. you know, both leading up, you know, it's something that we talked about mm-hmm. um, during last week, but also in the aftermath. And no doubt there was that at play. There's, um, there's a really interesting article, or rather it's an extract from the book um, Pep Confidential, I think it's called. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so it's basically behind the scenes of Guardiola's first season mm-hmm. in charge of Bayern Munich. And there's an extract you can find on ESPN. Um, so Martin Pennell's the, um, the writer, and he had access to, you know, behind the scenes. And he said, in the week between when they lost the first leg, 1-0 in the Santiago Bernabeu, and then 4-0 at home in Munich, he said Pep changed his mind four times. Mm. And on two of those occasions, he turned, he expressed to one of his assistants what he wanted to do and set, and told them, Make sure I don't change my mind. And the very next day, I had changed his mind. Yeah. And it's like Tyler Durden. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't actually talking to anyone. Yeah. Imagine <laughs> coming be... out of a big like dressing gown, dirty <laughs> dressing gown, sunglasses on. All right, we're not going to start Fernandino. Yeah. Or oh, you said to us, you yeah. definitely say that. I'm still better dressed than Thomas Tuchel. <laughs> <laughs> He's raided the club shop again. Mm. And so, and so, like I, I, I try to think of uh, what, what is he overthinking there? Because it, mm. it's not just Tuchel, and it's not just the defeat. Yeah. And I wondered if he was overthinking N'Golo Kante and probably thought, right, snuffs out every attack, smart, knows where to be. Mm. But doesn't pose that much of an attacking threat in terms of scoring goals? Yeah, in in terms of carrying the ball forward, yeah, he does. obviously he does. Um, We know that. But yeah, in in terms of blocking off attacks, Mm. and I wonder if Pep thought, well, he can't stop five of them. Yeah. (laughs) And it turns out he could. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> he absolutely yeah. could. Um, oh, he has done. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Forgot about that. Uh-huh. But the, uh, yeah, so in terms of the overthinking, you know, Guardiola um, said after the game that he was at fault. And then at the same time mm. went, well, no, no, Gundogan's playing there. He's play, played a defensive midfielder before. And I thought it was really strange because he couldn't see that he was stripping himself of one of his biggest assets this yeah, season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the most bemusing part about it. It was like he got into this game, having done everything leading up to it mm-hmm. in such a measured and calm way, to the extent that we were wondering if he turned over a new leaf. Yeah. And then he just shot himself in the foot. Mm. Yeah, I've got a slightly different theory. Not that I think that's a bad one. And not that I think I know better. Mm-hmm. It's just a theory just from watching the game. I wonder if you look at Chelsea's recent record under Tuchel, very mm. solid, very defensively Loves solid. Loves a 1-0. Yeah, he does. Um, I think that he probably thought, do you know what? If we go at them hard and go at them early and yeah. we overwhelm them early yeah. and mm. don't give them a chance to settle settle in and set themselves, mm. we've got the best chance. Mm. Of course, that didn't work. 
it didn't work because they had quite a lot of opportunities. Well, early on, Chelsea could have been a goal up. Well, yeah, it, 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 it was the first five minutes, didn't it? There, there were opportunities were, for yeah. both sides. Yeah. But, the, but the point is that I think if that is the case, and it might not be, I mean, Pep Guardiola's forgotten more than I'll ever know about football, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but if that is the case, then it's backfired massively. And I think you have, to, you have to also look at how good Chelsea were to make so many Manchester City players underperform on the night, mm-hmm. right? So did we see anything from... Sterling, no. Have we seen anything from Sterling for a while? No. Mm-hmm. He's not in great form. Uh, Foden was really quiet. Looks mm-hmm. like one of the brightest young players in, in the world. Very quiet. But that's the effect, isn't Mahrez it? Mahrez didn't do anything really. Silva got dragged. De Bruyne. De Bruyne got injured. You know, it, it was... it was, a, it was. A, I thought Edison was at fault for the goal. Maybe we'll come on to that. Um, but I just thought that we can spend all our time talking about how Man City kind of overthought it or whatever they did. Uh, Guardiola's record in finals is brilliant. But his record leading up to finals in the Champions League isn't brilliant. If you're talking about a manager who's as, as, as decorated and as well celebrated as he is, his performance in the Champions League is... Un- it is the it's, Champions League we're looking at here. Yeah, because it's, 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 that's it. He's underperformed the Champions League. And part of the reason why his record in finals is so good is because, unfortunately, in the Champions League, he doesn't get to finals well, And it's all in the League Cup final, yeah. is, 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 is <laughs> exactly. what you're saying. He's, he's inflated his own record there. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. But, but how, that's, I suppose that's the thing we'll come on to with Guardiola's methods in that... Because of how he coaches and the preparation, brilliant over the course of a season, mm-hmm. but in those one-on-one ties where you'd need a different, I, I suppose, a, a different emotion about you, I suppose. You, yeah. ne- you need to be quite ironclad in your nerve more so than, you know, yeah. necessarily in your beliefs. I don't think Guardiola didn't go into that game and think, well, everything I've done up to this point is complete bollocks, mm-hmm. but he lost his nerve and yeah. that is reflected in the, in the team selection. Mm-hmm. And so I suppose we, you know, we talk about it a lot, don't we? We talk about, Cup managers, we talk yeah. about, you know, a tactical uh, mm-hmm. philosophers, as it were. And Guardiola is definitely one, but he's probably not the other. And, and the sad thing is, is that Manchester United, uh, Manchester United, bloody mm. hell, they'd love it. They would. Um, they failed in the final as well. Mm. Um, oh but, no! Okay, come on. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, Have a go at them. The, 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 the trouble, that was a bit of a Gary Cook there. Um, uh, the mm. trouble is, uh, Manchester City have had a phenomenal season. They've reached the final for the first time in the Champions League. They've won the league at Akanta. They've won the League Cup. And that's the trouble with the Champions League final. It's the last day of, of, the, of, the, of the top flight club season, if you like. I know the League One playoff happened and so on. <coughs> Excuse me. But this is the problem. It now puts a dampener and now everyone's going, oh, but Guardiola, you almost sort of... It feels like an underwhelming season. Totally. You yeah. forget about the magnificent work that he's done in the Premier League. Think of where they were at the start of the season to where they came, blah, 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 blah. And Rio Ferdinand himself said, after the, the, the Bar- Guardiola's Barcelona beat them, they'd won the league. He said, I went off on holiday and I, I, he said, I forgot about the fact that we had won the Premier League. Yeah, no, but I think I think um, that actually speaks to also the way that clubs of a certain level in, in certain periods of their time are judged against. Mm. Rio Ferdinand's judged himself like that because it's Manchester United yeah. and they've won millions of Premier League titles and they mm. want to win the Champions League. Mm. And Alex Ferguson himself has said that he'd like to have won a few more than he yeah. did, right? It's the same with Man City. With respect, um, you know, no one gives a shit that Man City won the Premier League because they've won it so many times before because they've got the most money and probably the best players. And fine, they dropped off last season and were beaten by a superior Liverpool side, but they're back at it now. And they've dominated the Premier League realistically for a few years now. The whole point of this project if you want to use that term project, is for them to win the Champions League. Ultimately, it's not an overstatement to say, I don't think, that if they don't win the Champions League under Guardiola, then the project has failed by their own standard. Mm. So that's why. Um, of course, it's great to win the Premier League. And I think you're right, Mark, you said it a few weeks ago. That's how you judge the best team in a country, mm. because it's so many games, because it's such a big challenge. You know, the best team doesn't always win the Champions League. 
Um, if you look at some of the records Chelsea have broken this season in the Champions League, goals conceded, clean sheets for the goalkeeper, mm-hmm. they've done brilliantly. You could probably make an argument they have been the best Champions League team, but they don't always win it. And and Manchester City will be judged on this mm-hmm. because that's the standards they set for themselves. And the fact, Luke, is that they, you know, how many points above Chelsea did they win the league? You yeah. know, and, and I know that it's a final, it's a one-off game, but you don't want to become Pep doesn't want to become the manager who. Overthinks it for the big, game. you know, because it, absolutely brilliant. But think about, like, say, um, you know, my mate Gonzalo Higuain, <laughs> who apparently played for Chelsea. Um, he, phenomenal striker, you know, scored tons and tons of goals, but has a reputation, especially in Argentina, for when the final comes along, he misses a big chance, and he and he and he didn't quite do it. And it's such a shame that his reputation is somewhat tainted slightly, mainly in Argentina because of the national side. Um, because he's been a great striker. Pep's been a brilliant, brilliant manager. But but now, like but we were all saying before in the lead up in this Champions League campaign, oh, yeah, we're thinking and so on. And now this has happened. And it must be so frustrating because trust in your team. Your team has done great things this season. Go in there and pick the side um, that, that, that you know that can can go on and, and, and make an impression. But he is picking the best team he thinks to do yeah, the well. business. And I think, you know... Chelsea were good. Let's be fair. Well, and Chelsea, we, and we, I mean, yeah, this and is we need thing, to turn yeah. our attention yeah. to Chelsea yeah. at some point. Yeah. They had they had in the shape of Kante, James, Havertz, um, Mount. I think Chilwell played pretty well. It was mm. a pretty game against Walker, who's evergreen. But the whole back line, and, and I, I think Werner as well. But that, I mean, I, I, Werner's a controversial one, but I, I think I can I can justify Werner. I think as, the, as having a good good game. As no, well. I agree, and and his movement for the goal was vital. But yeah. the, you, the body language between the two sides, Chelsea. They were drilled. They knew their jobs. They were all absolutely on it from the moment the game started to it finished. Manchester City. There were times they were having a go at each other. They were. They were all looked out of sorts. And it. And it was to me. It was completely um, personified. Thiago Silva going off in the first half. Such an experienced player. Such a vital player. He goes off. Christensen comes on, and just totally slots in. Yeah, totally slots in and makes. A defining tackle mm. near the end that was when incredible. Phil Foden yeah. looked of you know potentially have got a shot away. Yeah, I think the the remarkable thing about Chelsea is that they we don't really see it that often because of the nature of how Chelsea have played over the last few years. But every now and again, when they get into a situation where they are the underdog, mm-hmm. they have a way of really harnessing that spirit. Yeah, in a way you think like. No, no, you don't get to do that. <laughs> you don't get to spend that kind of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you have mean. this kind of outlay and and also get to you know thrive of this feeling of mm. being you wrong. A billi- you have the original billionaire. Yeah. In yeah. <laughs> you were a European Super League <laughs> club, but yeah, I know what you mean. But, but it's interesting because Mourinho was really successful at doing that at Chelsea the first time round. Mm. Everyone hates you. Yeah, and Inter. It didn't work that much at Real Madrid because they were like, no, 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 no. no. Yeah, yeah. We are Royal Madrid, my friend. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but I think you're right, and I think um, it, it did. It it did kind of play into their hands. And I think it, the way that Chelsea were able to control the game, I'm not suggesting, you know, because obviously it's, it's weird, isn't it? Because Man City had loads more of the ball, mm. which you'd expect. Mm. But Chelsea, I think we're in control of the game. Oh, yeah, yeah think, without doubt. Yeah. And I think if you're not in control of the game, it becomes, if you are Phil Foden or Bernardo Silva particularly, mm. if you are not in control of the game, you li- you can't have the impact you want as a player like but it's Phil the plan Foden A and the plan B. The plan A is so good. Seldom does it fail, as we've seen in this season alone. I mean, the plan A that Guardiola has come up with in his career is one of, if not the best plans in the history of football. So, so you know, let's not understate this. You know, it is it is magnificent. But when he left Barcelona, some of the players did say, 
actually, well, it's quite good that now we can think about having a plan B, which is quite a, a, a remarkable thing to say. But when you look at, again, go back to the body language, uh, Foden and, uh, and all these players, it's kind of like, well, they've outthought us. What do we do? And then seemingly re- resorted to kind of Carl Walker long throw-ins. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that was enjoyable. You can't get away from that, can you? <laughs> it, it was interesting. Chuck though. money at Rory Delap. Yeah. <laughs> as I said earlier, he's evergreen, though. He yeah. doesn't look like he aged a day. He's so no. far still. Yeah. And he's so game. I think um, I think it's a fair point, but I also want to talk about Chelsea a bit more because obviously they won the Champions League mm-hmm. and they deserve the credit for it. And I wonder what your guys' take is on Timo Werner because he got mm. a lot of stick online. Everyone was hammering him, obviously, because he missed chances. Um, it's never good doing an air shot in the Champions League final. I think it's something <laughs> that every player would like to avoid. But do you know why I think Werner was really vital? You've already mentioned it. The, mm. the, the movement he makes for the goal is really important. Uh, and he made that move a few times. Proper and, textbook stuff for a striker. Yeah, yeah. And also, he's just a mentality monster. Yeah. Do you know what I really rate about him? Why I agree. I, with, I totally agree. With he's you. definitely going to come good. Is because the difference between a player coming to a new country and not scoring loads of goals. And let's not forget, he scored 18 goals for club and country this season. He's mm-hmm. not been barren. Yep. He's not scored as many as he should have done. Mm-hmm. And he wouldn't be the first Chelsea striker no, to exactly. turn up and flatter to deceive in his first season, but by the you, way. If you cared enough and you had the time, go and look at the difference in body language between yeah. Timo Werner and Fernando Torres. Yep. Mm-hmm. Timo Werner, is, I'll tell you, he's a mentality monster. He, is. he will keep Comes doing it over in his over interviews again. as well, yeah. in a second language. He doesn't give a shit. Yeah. Yeah. He's um, so. Do you remember? Maybe while... that's his problem. Oh, I don't care if I score or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is that what we're doing here? You oh. need to give a little bit of one at <laughs> some point. <laughs> do you remember there was the story a while ago about the Arsenal um, psychologist who said that they rank, I suppose, confidence among Arsenal players on a scale of one to ten, and he gave Nicholas Bender an eleven. Yeah, and and obviously you know Nicholas Bender is Nicholas Bender, but the premise was that it doesn't matter if he misses the easiest chance in the world. Mm. He's still going to try. He still has the belief that he will score the next one from yeah. thirty yards, yeah, for example. Yeah, yeah. And Werner has a bit of that. I, mm-hmm. I think he's he's worked it out in his head. So someone mentioned this a while ago, actually, and I think I've, I've referenced it on the ramble. But basically, the misunderstanding with Werner off the back of that final season with Leipzig was that he was a prolific goal scorer. He's always been a streaky goal scorer, right. and it just so happened that he he got a bit of a prolonged streak. And so, when you're a streaky forward or streaky finisher. Mm. The premise is there that you're you're always shooting. You're just not necessarily shooting in a in a productive way. You're yeah. not playing the averages, as it were. Mm-hmm. You play, you're rather you're not you know having a your shot conversion isn't up there. You're just playing probability to an extent. You're just rolling the dice and, and seeing what's what. Yeah. And to do that, you can't. Just, it's it's not something that's just in your finishing. It's in the runs you make. It's in the peeling off out to mm-hmm. the left wing and creating that space for and getting in the positions as well. And getting in the positions as well. Yeah. Um. And I, I think you know you see a lot of. We we see Chelsea. We, we you've mentioned them there. You think about Mount Kante, Jorginho, Havertz. We can throw throw Ziyech in there and Pulisic. Those are really smart players. Mm. And sometimes for smart players, you just need someone who's just going to do the basic stuff, and that is run simply mm-hmm. and keep making those runs to create space for the smarter players. Isn't it funny how the development of tactics has gone so much over the last twenty years or whatever? Mm. Certainly since we've been doing the show, mm. but. That stuff, you still have to do it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Edison Cavani, ultra-modern ultra, ultra modern player, brilliant finisher, amazing, like football royalty, and rightly so. The thing that makes him so good is his movement. Mm. Like, the movement's never been... You never, you've never once, Marcus, have you ever, when we've been doing the show, thought, oh, do you know what? Play, strikers don't really run anymore. Yeah. They have to do it. They, mm-hmm. And Werner's one of the best at doing it. And he's, and he's a big part of, of... And that's why I was kind of... Well, not that confused, because social media is social media. But he gets a lot of stick. Mm. But actually, what he's reminiscent of, ironically is the forwards that used to play for Guardiola at Barcelona, yeah. who used to 
defend from the front, never stop running, famously commit more fouls than the defenders mm. did to try and always get on people's back. And he's so intense. And like I say, his mentality is so good that you'd be a fool to back against him succeeding oh, at Chelsea. And he has already arguably succeeded. Oh, of course he has. He's a Champions League winner. I mean, I'm yeah. sure Sam Oleto has a different opinion on Timo Werner than some of the silly sausages on Twitter, for example. Yeah. Um, in, in respect Am to I that. one of those silly sausages on Twitter? <laughs> I don't think you are. But, <laughs> but I, I, definitely is. But I blocked you no, ages ago. <laughs> he's always doing memes. Yeah, but I'm, I'm silly for different reasons. Yeah, I was yes. going to say, no, no, yeah. that's very welcome. Um, I say silly sausages I meant uh, knobheads yeah. um, but, uh, but you've got to mention Kai Havertz though I mean he's a young uh, player of course he's coming to Chelsea uh, and I mean much has been made about Jorginho being their top scorer in the league this season but there's been a lot of rotation there's been a lot of change in style of management it's clearly worked although we must give a, uh, Frank Lampard a bit of respect for this Champions League win must we? <laughs> yeah because Havertz the goal scorer who he decided not to play Rudiger who was an a, a absolute a, monster who... that was a churlish coming from here. I, I know, but I had to get this out there. But this is the thing, isn't it? We talk about, we talk in absolutes when we cover football too often, I think. Mm. And, you know, and people can spend all their time talking about Pep Guardiola overthinking it on Twitter. And they can spend all their time talking about Timo Werner being arguably shit and all this kind of stuff. And, they, and it's, so de- it's so definitive. But actually, it is absolutely fair to say Pep Guardiola is a brilliant manager, mm. but he's got flaws. Yeah. He seems to be too stubborn, whatever you want to call it. It's absolutely right to say Timo Werner should have scored more goals, but he's a really con- important contrib- contributor mm-hmm. to the team. And I think it's also absolutely fair to say, look, Frank Lampard isn't in the same league as ma- of manager as Thomas Tuchel and isn't going to be dining at the top table with all the best managers in the world anytime soon. Mm. But, and there is a but, he's brought some young players through that have made a contribution. Mm. He's brought Mason Mount through. He's given him his start, really. Mm. Reese James got his first start under, under or got, certainly got a, a real look into the team under Lampard. Lampard has been committed consistently to bringing young players through. And you haven't got to be Harry Redknapp's, you know, fucking yeah. light to say that. It's more nuanced than that. Is that fair? I think that is fair. I think the but I think that's the best way of putting it because I think sometimes people can be a little bit too silly. But I think what you've said there is very fair. Yeah, I mean, we don't have. To, I mean, it is one of the banes of football discourse that to big someone up, we have to shit on someone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, and I think the only thing, like you're absolutely right. I think Mason Mount, the way that Mason Mount talks about Lampard. Says is enough. It should be enough for the rest of us, really, because yeah, yeah, he yeah. talks about how much he supported him and stuff like that. Someone will counter what you've said there by the fact that Charles he had that transfer embargo and he had to bring them through. Yeah. But I mean, he had to coach them. He had to talk to them yeah. in a certain way. He had to make them feel like they belong there. And you only need to see how stark it's been for Tammy Abraham over the last three months compared to last season to mm-hmm. show that you know he he's done a lot of work with Tammy Abraham that Chelsea probably won't profit off really yeah. because it looks like he's on the way out you have to better cut through the bullshit right you have to yeah, better yeah. say yeah. Tim Sherwood is doing that saying that because he's friends with Frank Lampard mm. Harry Redknapp's doing that thing about Thomas Tuchel because he's Frank Lampard's mm-hmm. uncle mm-hmm. Jamie Redknapp's saying that yeah. because they're you know cousins whatever mm-hmm. you know, these things happen in football we have to cut through that but I don't think it's fair to say that you know, Lampard was absolutely abysmal. He just they just got a better option. No, I think they've exercised that. And also, and, and, it, it, it didn't manage them in the groups. No, you, you, I think that's very fair, Luke, and I think that's well said. But but this is this is the thing, and this is where we should talk about Thomas Tuchel because for him to take Chelsea from where they were when yeah, he took yeah, yeah. over to Champions League winners, oh, it's magnificent. Without a window, yeah. without being able to bring in his own players, mm-hmm. and. It is, it is remarkable, really. And I know there are, you know, if Brassel were here, he'd be able to talk about this in a lot he's more detail. He's the only one who's predicted he called it. He called it. Yeah, yeah, he did, yeah. Um, <laughs> Doesn't mean he's getting a pay rise. No. <laughs> but it is remarkable, really. And, and it really speaks to how, I suppose, coaching, we probably understand it a bit more because we read about it a bit more, we talk about it a bit more. You know, we have two-hour, three-hour segments on whether it's BT mm-hmm. or Sky Sports or whatever. There are various platforms to consume 
you know, the great inner workings of coaches that we didn't used to have before. And I think the, the coolest thing about that is that at the end of the day, he was basically a cheerleader on Saturday, wasn't he? Mm. When just before they scored the goal, he was pumping up the crowd in the last yeah. 10 minutes, yeah, he was pumping right. up the crowd, yeah. gets his kids out and he's just sitting there watching them celebrate. Mm. It was great for him because obviously he went through a bit of a rough finish with PSG and mm. obviously making the final last year and <laughs> being in a, a boot as well mm. and not being able to prance around. And um, no, I thought, I thought it was... But the um, team spirit though was, yeah. was quite interesting. Now I know it's a Champions League final, so... Perhaps um, some people get sort of caught up with it, but look at the way Kepper ran on the pitch, knee slide celebration. A guy who's been sort of quite shunned. Tammy Abraham wasn't but even. To be in fair, the he hates leaving the pitch, doesn't he? So he, he does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's really he itching thought, to get on. He yeah. thought that was his moment. He thought there was still five minutes left. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, he needed a quick score. Yes, penalty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But Tammy Abraham as well wasn't in the squad. Nice to see him in the full kit, though. Won't get the treatment of John Terry, but still, I think that's fair. But not in the squad. But they all have to wear the full kit, and the John Terry thing was a bit of a misnomer. I think it was. Yes. Yeah. Well, no, because. So quite a few players. Um, you, you see this in all, across all sports. So it happened in the 2019 World Cup, Cricket World Cup, in the 2017 Women's World uh, Cricket World Cup as well. But you can see, you know, when you get like shots from the crowd and they show mm. like people running on, you see players like taking their bibs off oh, right. because for the photos, they yeah, don't yeah, want it to yeah. look like they're there. Totally. You know, they didn't play. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Roy Keane and Paul Skulls were in suits though. <laughs> is what I'd say today. Imagine Keane. Yeah. Was he running on the pitch? I mean, on the other hand, that is 22 years. No, I know. But, yeah. but, but, but I don't know if this is, you know, we'll see as, as, as the, the, the sort of the days, the, the weeks go on throughout the summer, what, what will happen to maybe one or two of these players. But, the way there was such fanfare, the way there was such celebration from all the players who didn't get on the pitch, who didn't even get in the squad in the in the in the example of Tammy Abraham, I don't know. That suggests to me that there's pretty good feeling there. I mean, again, it, I understand the point that Tammy Abraham can still be really pissed off that he's not in the squad, and it, you know he would be. You know, he. I, I think he seems like a decent bloke, and he's not going to sit there and go, "Well, I wasn't a part of this, so I'm not going to celebrate." Of course, he's going to be excited, but it seemed that they were particularly invested. If you see what I mean, and I think that's the point I'm trying to make. Even the scenes after Giroud, the way he was kind of um, uh, celebrating and so on, perhaps Tuchel has. has fostered a good spirit well, there I think Brassel regularly tells us that it's always like that with Tuchel at the start and it's see, uh, yes. see, see how long it lasts for um, but ultimately mm. you know no one's really going to care now are they mm. because they've won the Champions League and, yeah. and, and that's that and sweary old Kai Havertz had a lovely time after the match didn't he great stuff I love, the, I, love the, I love the joyful abandon with which people using English in their second language can chuck a swear word in there <laughs> yeah. they don't know. obviously they don't necessarily consider the impact they just mm. get on with it and then maybe he's learned English in like a completely colloquial way which is brilliant yeah. I just thought it was amazing it was it was two, two final a bit, uh, a bit of chaos among all the orchestrated kind of stuff uh, that happens in football these days yeah yeah but two, two final points is um, Rhys James anyone was going to say Southgate shouldn't take him might have to rethink that uh, I think I think that would be unthink. It has to be unthinkable now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it was. I think it was very unlikely that he was going to be left out before this. Sure, final. and I think he he might as well have checked in online. Yeah, exactly. For the barge and yeah. uh, uh, Matteo Kovacic won four Champions League uh, winners' medals, but finally got on the pitch in a Champions League final because he'd won three at Real Madrid, and never actually played in the final, but he got seventeen minutes uh, for Chelsea in this one. See, a lot of people talk about working hard. That's working smart. Yeah. <laughs> Big exactly. Exactly. The boys uh, do the hard work, so I can four get hour work week, seventeen minute four year. When Champions I heard League that, winners. I was delighted for him to get on the pitch. Boss, boss. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm ready now. It's only one nil. Oh, yeah. My goodness. Yeah. Two goals conceded in seven Champions League knockout games for Chelsea. 
It's incredible. It is it, it, absolutely brilliant stuff. Well done to them. And they were worthy winners on the day. Very, and very few people could argue. Edison got away with me not telling everyone that I think he was at fault for the goal. So yeah. good on him. And Zinchenko will certainly appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was only one person at fault. <laughs> a systematic error. Yeah. All right, everybody. Let's go for a quick break. Hold on, please, Gary. Welcome back to the Football <laughs> Ramble. Sounds like he's in a chamber being held hostage. <laughs> Poor Rio. Poor Rio. And Gary Lineker was bowed out on BT Sport, didn't he? He did. So he can I, actually, I actually respect that. I do as well. It's lovely, yeah. yeah. The reasons he gave to go and follow Leicester around Europe with his sons. Good oh, on him. I hope they have a good run. Right, it's time for emails. And here's Chris Rogers' jingle. <laughs> We're by the bar, Hawaiian shirts on, yeah. cocktails in hand, Wayne Lineker telling stories. <laughs> <laughs> I My think Wayne goodness. Lineker's got one type of story. Yeah. I'll let you all fill in the details <laughs> yourselves. Anyway. You, um, I've got an email from Morgan Figa. Following the back and forth on Friday's episode about the relative fame of Childish Gambino and Robbie Williams, I posed the question to my office work chat. Most people immediately said Childish Gambino, Childish Gambino being the more popular of the two. And the chat quickly devolved into the following. Are there any Robbie Williams songs that are good? And maybe we don't get him and people in Europe understand music differently than Americans. <laughs> a few of the under 25 staff members confessed they had to Google Robbie Williams as they had never heard of them. I felt bad, but at least unlike me, they didn't have fucking angels stuck in their head for the next few hours. <laughs> angels which famously didn't get to number one. That's no. right, yeah. Was it Mike Flowers Pops beat it? Don't know, because Wonderwall never got to number one, but the cover version. Yeah, I think I think I think there's I think there's isn't it? Look, I'm I'm off piece here. Here we go. <laughs> Mike Flowers' pop version of Wonderwall might have stopped Angels getting to number one. Ooh, ah, maybe. I'm drawing, drawing the dots there. Maybe you Could, might be right. Might, yeah. You might not be. It oh, reminds me of um, sorry, very quickly, QPR fans um, <laughs> singing "We've Got Brett Angel Instead." Nice. <laughs> Great. Lovely stuff. That is good. I, look, like I say, I wasn't defending Russia's choice of Robbie Williams for the opening ceremony for the World Cup. I was attacking Pete's suggestion that it should have been Childish Gambino. <laughs> right? Yeah. I can't believe we're still talking about that. <laughs> this was like, doesn't this go back to three years? Yeah, yeah, three years of chat. Um, twi- we did. Um, the guys did do a Twitter poll mm. of who should open the Champions League final. And um, Childish Gambino, Robbie Williams, and Paul Potts. And Marshmallow. Who's Marshmallow? Um, he was the guy in the bucket hat. Oh, oh, no, sorry, okay. not a bucket hat, a bucket. Yeah. He's wearing a bucket okay. on his head. Yeah. Well, Gambino won it. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, because everyone loves Pete and not you. And Pete, no, Pete created a load of Twitter accounts. Paul, <laughs> Paul Potts came second. So oh, we're, having, we're having Potts. Good on Pottsy. Mm. Uh, we've got another email here from Mike. And thank you very much to Morgan for sending that in. But I've got an email here from Mike. Yeah. And I like this one. So yeah, we'll put yeah. it out there. He says, uh, after discovering on Thursday's show that the away goals rule is going to be scrapped and added to the fact that there are 22 penalties taken in the Europa League shootout, final shootout, I thought I'd share my alternative, says Mike. Mike says, if it's all square after 90 minutes of the second leg or in a final, each manager should have to remove one player from the opposition side, keepers excluded. This is repeated every five minutes of extra time until the 120 minutes is completed. Hopefully by this time the match has been won, as my ideas after that have run out over to you. <laughs> um, but he does tail off there, Mike, to be fair to him. He's set off on a pretty good course yeah. and he's run out of steam there. 
But would it not be interesting to have players removed for extra time to make it more open? It'd be far more, not far more exciting because penalties are in their own way exciting, but it would be an interesting way of doing things. And mm. it's better than the old American version of the old one-on-ones. Yeah, I think his idea is ridiculous. I mean, for the for the Oh, banks, it's, actually, it's actually Damien Cummingham who sent that in. Is that right? <laughs> do you remember Damien? I do. Well, Ways I, to improve the FA Cup. Well, I do think though that one of the arguments um, is that it, it's sort of against away no so one of the arguments for away goals is the fact that in the second leg you know you have an extra half an hour and the fact is that one side get to play that extra half an hour at home yeah so you think well that's counteracted by the fact that you have away goals so you have the home advantage but they have the away goals advantage hmm. because that will be then taken away so you have one side who play at home 90 minutes one side who play at home for 120 minutes so i wonder if with this you scrap extra time completely and you go straight to penalties yeah, okay. which I think is is more likely one than than that madness that we've just. Is it? Is it, heard. Is it would that also help the players' fatigue as well? But not that many, te- not that, particularly in the Champions League, not that many games get extra time. No, it doesn't really come up that often. I, do you know, yeah, I it's... probably won't help fatigue when playing 120 minutes and they've got 10 players, nine players, <laughs> eight players. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I've just realised actually, it's a good point, Mike uh, Vish. Mike wants players dead. Yeah, yeah. He, he he's decided that the players aren't. He's being... obviously a Chelsea fan because he thinks to himself, whichever team has N'Golo Kante is going to win this. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, that's the player you'd first be yeah. able to take it taken off. Yeah, I know we've talked Can about. Can we put Kepper on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, we we shall see as uh, what UEFA are going to conjure up. But it will be interesting with that away goals. Mm. You know, there's pros and cons. Pros and cons. Um, right, gentlemen, uh, let's go to the championship playoff final. Brentford have done it. They have done it. They've won uh, their first playoff final at the 10th time of asking. What an unwanted record that was. They'll be playing in the Premier League uh, for the very first time. It's absolutely uh, incredible. And I would sort of sum this up saying that the owner Matthew Benham's unique approach to running a football club has been validated with the Bees finally promoted to the Premier League. I mean, Brentford, they proved source of great inspiration as Model Club delivered uh, truly unique euphoria. Wouldn't you agree, Vish? Who said that? Did I write that? Yeah, that was the headline well on the sub-headline on your piece. Well done, Vish. I just wanted That's to know if, I mean, I don't if he actually wrote it. Which, uh... yeah. <laughs> I knew as soon as he started reading it, Marcus didn't write it. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought it must be Vish. Yeah. You were at the game, were you? Of course was. he was. You can't big, write a piece like Vish yeah. wrote and not, not have yeah. that. It's genuinely worth seeking out Vish's piece as he's, he's about to give us some highlights now, I'm sure. But, yeah. um, no, but I, you, I didn't like it. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I know. The face there. The, and, and the comments underneath certainly yeah. testify to that. But Vish, you were there. You're very pleased for Brentford. Um, it's, a, it's a club that you know reasonably well. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, a, it's a lovely story, really. It, it's actually... 10 playoff campaigns so so nine sorry. unsuccessful playoff campaigns yeah yes. sorry yeah, not, not I think this is only a third final they've been to in that but yeah just after what happened last year and um there was Luke, uh, you know that I have a, an opinion on this and it'll be good to hear what you think. But I, th- I, I think sometimes when teams are hailed as, as model clubs, you know, while it's great for their fans, I think some some opposition fans might sneer at that because I mm-hmm. think it's often a judgment call that's made by people, for example, in the Premier League or, or journalists actually primarily who say, you know, get a bit of access, see something they haven't seen before. Like, mm-hmm. Brilliant. Look how revolutionising this It can system. sound patronising. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Moneyball's thrown around, but it's, it's not actually Moneyball. You know, that, that's just, you know, a, a word that has, has lost all meaning now. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly the way they've done things, it kind of, it can potentially open yourself up to a degree of ridicule. And when they fell last year and, and the way that Fulham were able to, I suppose, boss that 
um, playoff final, but also in the way that Brentford didn't really show up. They weren't really playing the same kind of adventurous football. They that betrayed they what they'd done that season. Really yeah, final, and yeah. there's an argument to say sometimes that when you get into that situation, certainly the football mind would think, well, okay, well, this, this is just politics. Get rid of it. What was wrong mm. with the old try and tested methods? People got. You know, people get promoted, don't yeah. they? That, that happens. So the fact that they stuck through it, the fact that they finished third, you know, they were two points short of second last year, mm. four points short this year. And then they got to the final and were that little bit braver. You know, Frank said after this match that one of his debriefs after the Fulham defeat was that we just need to be braver. Mm. We need to back ourselves a bit more. And that's what they did. It was made slightly easier by the fact that they go ahead so early. I think 10 minutes was when they get that penalty. Yeah. And Swansea looked a bit shell-shocked yeah. from that point, as I suppose you would do. Um, but yeah, it was a very impressive performance. And, and just, you know, Brentford didn't actually play brilliantly, to be fair, but they did what they needed to do. And um, yeah. I mean, to have the character to, uh, of that whole club from top to bottom... Being beaten in in the player final last year, where it all seemed to be there, it's a bit like Man City felt in the it's, oh, Surely it's their season. Yeah. And last last time round with the new stadium and all that, it's like this is Brentford's time. Um, and then to be beaten in, in in the final late on, of course, as well, uh, to pick themselves up, to battle through the season, and then finish third. And you've got to do the bloody playoffs. And it's such a slog the championship season, especially if you don't get automatically promoted. To do that mm. and have the characters to go all the way and win it, it does speak volumes for, for Thomas Frank himself and, and the players and what they're doing there. I think that's the key point. <clears throat> I think the key point is that to pick yourself up after that and still come again mm. and still be able to do it mm. and actually quite obviously, as you've alluded to, Vish, learn from your mistakes in the past in the exact game mm -hmm. and go through and, and, and do it. I don't think, I think that Swansea are a bit of a different kettle of fish. I'm not sure they entirely even expected to be there. Uh, Swansea fans I know are very happy to to be in the uh, in the playoff final. Not, not to patronise them because they've been a Premier League team in the past. I think this is the season their Premier League parachute payments stop as well. It is, yeah. So things might change for them. But to go back to Vicious' point about how the club is run, football is so, is such a, football is run in such a way now if you are a club the size of Brentford, not historically a huge club, mm -hmm. right? The and there's time? a lot of clubs in in West London. Of course. <laughs> when was the last time in the top flight? The 40s, I think. 70, 74 years ago. Yeah, so 1947 then, right? They're not historically a huge club. Mm. The only way you can reasonably and responsibly run a club is to do what Brentford are doing. So you bring players through, mm -hmm. you find you're a bit creative in the transfer market or you develop them, which of course is difficult now because of ECPP anyway. You find these players, you find these rubies in the dust and you sell them on. So like they do with Ollie Watkins, mm -hmm. like they do with Ben Rama. Yeah. And that's how they sustain themselves. Now, sometimes big you know, football clubs or, or, or journalists who are used to covering the Premier League will come in and as Vicious said, they'll talk about that and it'll sound patronising. Mm. But to me... It's the only way you can do it because yeah. look at the amount of football league clubs that have gone to the wall. Look at them who've mm -hmm. made really poor financial decisions. Mm -hmm. You know, For them to do this, to be able to sustain it, to be able to get a new stadium and to be able to get them to the Premier League and be successful doing so, mm -hmm. I think is a tremendous credit to what Thomas Frank's done. Mm -hmm. It's a tremendous credit to the players. Um, they were first in line for Ivan Tony after he came from Peterborough. He was tearing it up at, um, mm -hmm. at Peterborough. They went in and got him. I think they got him a really creative way. They got him, I think, five million up front and a load of incentivised deals. Mm -hmm. I imagine Peterborough are getting paid a lot of money now mm -hmm. they've been promoted to the mm -hmm. Premier League. Um, he was at Newcastle, slipped through the net, surprisingly. The, the Newcastle oh. fans of this parish will sure. uh, roll their eyes again for that. Sure. But he's only started scoring goals in really prolific ways over the last few years. But he is fantastic. Mm. The season he was in League One, I think League One with Peterborough, the most recent one, he was so good. Mm. Like He was so good. I and it'll be great to see if he can replicate what your Ollie Watkins has done, where yeah. he gets into the England squad 
squad because he, he's not reached his ceiling yet. Yeah. Um, I, I think Ivan Tony's a great player. He's got a lot to prove. And when you sprinkle someone like him mm. into that setup, it can it can take you places. Mm. And, and again, it shows you that he comes in and he knows what's expected of him, knows the job. You come in and you're at a settled club and that c- c- just helps a player so much to kind of go, oh, right, I get it. I absolutely get it. If it doesn't work out, fair enough. But of course it has. And he said, I'm a Premier League striker now. I can't wait to score goals in the Premier League. <laughs> but that sentence is just wonderful. And if you're I a think Brentford he will fan, score goals. Well, yeah, but if you're a Brentford fan, that is just music to their ears. Hmm. Um, they've, been, they've been phenomenal. And Vish, are you now going to, um, to, to put down Manchester United and you're going to pick up Brentford? As are they your club? local club? Uh, growing up, they were, yeah. yeah. I yeah. thought it was QPR as yeah. well. Oh, yeah, yeah it was those two, yeah. So okay. if people from that area supported them a bit more, they would probably be doing even better than they are now, I'd say. Well, you say that, but sometimes it's good to <laughs> kind of... You've got to earn my affection, is what I'll say. Well, they, okay. I mean, they're doing their best. Yeah. Um, you support a club owned by the Glazers. Yeah. What have they got to do? <laughs> what have they got to do to earn your affection? Guaranteed six points next season. Thanks very much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who will you support when Brentford play Man United? These are the questions that he does. That piece he wrote in, in, in the Independent, you know, it was, it was a real love letter to Brentford. It was making up for yeah, the wrong. I'm, the really, I'm really, in, yeah. I'm really, really interviewed. Oh, but uh, unless she walks by, <laughs> you know you're really pretty now. <laughs> do you know what the article said to me? Said oh, to me, what do I give her? I've got a girlfriend anyway, <laughs> as Mike Skinner once said. <laughs> it said, oh, do you know what his article said to me? It said it dripped of the following to me. I've not put a single fucking penny in this club <laughs> over the years. <laughs> And I now feel quite bad about it. <laughs> What's your catering like? That's what What's oh, your catering yeah. like? Oh, yeah, we'll look forward to that. We'll look forward to the, uh, the more patronising takes from journalists about how good the Wi-Fi is at Brentford. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. New stadium. So revolutionary thing. They've got two routers. <laughs> is that right? My yeah. goodness. Very nice. Like that. Like that. Uh, the League One player final happened. Blackpool 1-2-1. They returned to the championship after six-year absence. Um... My goodness, Blackpool! What uh, what a change in fortune it's been in the, in, in the last few years. I mean, the last time they were in, in at, the, at the final in Wembley was in 2017, and fans stayed away because of the Oyston ownership. Mm. And you talk about the way clubs are run and, and so on and so forth. Blackpool fans have been through the ringer. It's fair to say. I mean, that was one of the most toxic periods uh, in terms of club ownership and the relationship with fans I think I can remember in, yeah, in English football it really, was. it really was that bad but as a local businessman Simon Sadler saddles up doesn't he uh, it took over in 2019 much better feeling uh, he's a local lad he went to his first Blackpool match in 1977 it's just the tonic it is and they and, and they also deserve great credit for giving Neil Critchley a chance mm. I mean you know, we don't cover football league very much on this show. There's loads to talk about um, elsewhere. So sadly, we don't get to cover it perhaps as much as we'd like. But we would have seen people. I mean, I think I'm pretty sure we would have talked about Neil Critchley when he managed that Liverpool under 23s team and coached those young Liverpool players in the FA Cup. Mm. This is his first proper job and his first full season in charge. And it goes even deeper than that, I think, because he actually started quite poorly and they and they stuck with him and he's turned it around and they've timed their runs to the player final and up to the championship absolutely perfectly you know he's he's really respected as a coach and what I like about him and I don't mean this in a patronising way at all is you hear about this new young coach who's done this and done that mm. he's not actually young he's not no, really yeah. <laughs> you know he's not like he doesn't look like you know really European and cultured or whatever he just, he's just really good at his job mm. and he gets it done well 
Um, and you know, Blackpool's record at Wembley is brilliant. They always seem to go up by the playoffs, don't they? But it's a shame for Lincoln. I mean, it's their, their third playoff final defeat in their history. They were hoping to reach the second tier for the first time in, in 60 years. Yeah. But but a big Michael Appleton is doing good stuff there. I think he's a good coach. I think, uh, I mean, he obviously coached a club I support and he was really hard done by because it was an absolute basket case at the time. Um, he's got a lot in his locker, Appleton, I think. His story is, in, is an incredible one. Mm-hmm. Um, he's had such adversity in his career and he's still... Um, he's still around he's did a good job at Oxford mm-hmm. um, he's achieved a lot of Lincoln with great. loan players and free transfers and all the rest of it great biceps as well yeah massive biceps yeah. up there with um, not quite um, Akin Fenwar size I thought you were going to say the 24 inch pythons and all <laughs> what you what were you looking at what were you tensing them then but, but, but what I like about uh, listen the, what, the job Appleton's done at Lincoln is actually shameful to a club like Portsmouth, mm. right? Because Portsmouth had Appleton yeah. and it was a different time. It's a long time ago now, fine, all the rest of it. But look at the size of budget. Look at the history. Look at what Lincoln have, have been able to do. As you said, however many years it is since they they, they mm. were trying to do what they, they well, since they've done what they were trying to do at the weekend. You know, Portsmouth make excuses all the time for this, that, and why things hasn't gone well for them. Mm. The, the pool that... Portsmouth are fishing in for players, for managers. It's completely different to a Lincoln. Mm-hmm. I know Danny Kelly manages Lincoln, now he manages Portsmouth, but the point still stands. Mm-hmm. And and they've done so well, and he's he's overcome such adversity. I'm pretty sure, I wouldn't be an expert in Lincoln City, and people will pull me up if I'm wrong, but I'm fairly certain they're probably going to lose five or six important players because they were lone players. And he's going to have to do the whole thing again for next season. And yeah. a club like Lincoln, who's doing it at League One level, they've got to do this over and over again every season. And he said it himself, they've got, Appleton said, they're going to have to be really creative in how they get players. So look, credit to them for getting to the playoffs. I feel embarrassed to be a Portsmouth fan when a club like Lincoln, with respect to them, outperform Portsmouth. Portsmouth make excuses, fall mm-hmm. short on the final day in ridiculous circumstances, and are suffering another... Um, another season in League One and for a club like Portsmouth it is suffering in League One because they don't des- they shouldn't be in League One they deserve to be in it but they shouldn't mm-hmm. be in it someone like Lincoln on the verge of the championship it was an incredible job but um, credit to the most Australian sounding man Kenny Dougal Kenny Dougal um, who doesn't get many goals but he likes to get stuck in and, yeah. and, and he did the business for him and credit to that to Blackpool for not panicking when they went down at goal so early in ridiculous circumstances yeah. like God. one of the worst old goals you'll ever oh, see imagine God. scoring that at Wembley in a big final and, and they still battled back and did the business here's a stat for you the fastest goal in third tier player final history there we Christ. go there's you a stat the, for everything <laughs> in the, the date as well it was on that day six years ago where they Storm the pitch. Yeah. Um, Bloomfield Road to complain about the, the ownership. Mm. And it really did feel like at the time, like we all remember the coverage where it felt like, right, they're, they're about to disappear off the face of the earth. Yeah, we, we, this only goes one way, yeah. surely. So. It was like the Oysters had some kind of scorched earth policy. Like, yeah. We're going to go down, we're taking the club with us yeah. kind of thing. Thankfully, they managed to come up the other side of that. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm just so pleased. I'm gutted for Lincoln, of course, as I say, it's been so long since they're in the second tier. But, but you can't begrudge Blackpool because... As you say, the, the very, very recent history, my goodness, you know. But uh, what was nice is uh, that Kenny Dougal, he scored a brace and became the first Blackpool player to score more than once in a match at Wembley since Stan Mortensen with his hat-trick in the 1953 <laughs> FA Cup final. The classic final. Come on. At least Stan Mortensen got a lot of credit for that final. And he it's, did. it's now been known ever since as the Stan Mortensen <laughs> Cup final, <laughs> which I'm sure he was very happy with. Oh, dear. But that was the Kenny Dougal final yesterday, even though Jerry Yates did, basically did all the fucking hard work. Mm, yeah. Um, for, for Jerry Yates' he, final then. In yeah, Blackpool fine. style, it <laughs> Certainly, Matthews, we've got the Jerry Oates for Yeah. So there we are. They're through. They're up. They are up, gentlemen. Um, right. Uh, oh, go on. Before we finish, just a little mention of international football. Come on. If I may. The Wales squad's been announced. Let's do it. How Talk about that? It. Yeah. Great stuff. Um, it's becoming real now. It is. I actually put something in my notepad this week to 
start to properly bone up on the Euros. Yes. I'm going to find some time this week to get stuck in and the Welsh squad announcement set that off for me. Mm, emphasis on the word bone-vish. Yeah, absolutely. I've got a tingle. Yeah, get the double meanings. <laughs> yeah. Uh, How many Brentford players have bit the Euros? Uh, he doesn't know. Shouldn't have to. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't know. The England squad's not been announced. So exactly. There you are, Vish. You know, exactly. you, you'll just you'll wait and see. Yeah. Uh, won't you for that one? Yeah. So tomorrow, England squad, the Wales squad has been announced. Uh, well, we're talking about uh, UK sides. Northern Ireland beat Malta 3 0 in the friendly. <laughs> get, get a bit of confidence up. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Welcome. Nice to see. What do you uh, reckon of, what do you think about teams organising friendlies against Malta and lead up to a Euros? I like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get them out of the way. Smash up them, smash them up. Did you ever used to have it at school where, like, I mean, maybe it speaks a lot of the school I went to, but whenever someone wanted to, like, be in a fight, they would pick someone who was always in fights and losing. It was, it was quite quietly lawless. It was, it was the most exciting thing ever when there was a fight at school. Yeah. Like, as a kid, there was nothing more exciting than the rumour going around that the, um, that the um, there was going to be a fight after school. It was incredible. I remember when I, when I joined this school, I asked someone if I could attend the fight. And he was like, you'd have to buy a ticket, mate. <laughs> <laughs> can I attend yeah. the fight? But there was always someone who would always get beaten up. Uh, I can see his face now, poor bloke. But um, uh, he was the Malta of our school. Was he? Yeah. Okay. Because Northern Ireland, they're not at the Euros. Not no. At the Euros. But, you know, why not? It's their summer as well. They, yeah. they can enjoy themselves. We, listen, we understand, they could say to the fans, we understand you'd prefer to bit the Euros. Yeah. Can I interest you in a home game against Wales? Well, <laughs> Ian Barraclough, you know, it's his first victory in normal time Yeah, uh, for all the time. You mean in 90 minutes? Friendlies tend not yeah. to go to extra time. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that if it ended as a draw and he was like, no, we had this down for my first one. We're playing extra time and pens yeah. if needs be. And we'll take a player off from each team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. The sad news for, for Wales fans, I'm sure, is that to Hal robson Carney's not there yes so you know we won't hear the how surprise Robson how Robson Carnu yeah. I mean they will perhaps with the, maybe you, can do it on, you can do it on the show I'll, I'll give it a yeah. go I'll give yeah. it a go He's and also there. by the way we can't fully go into international football mode yet because we've got a league two platform tonight we which do. we talk about tomorrow we do. sorry so, about that yeah, yeah. yeah forgive me I'm getting ahead of myself yeah here. so find out which team's going to take six points off Portsmouth <laughs> <laughs> oh dear but it's, look it's all it's, we, the club season is nearly finished we do have that playoff tonight as you say we've got the big main event tonight oh we do yeah. um, it is odd when people say that's it the club season finished with the Champions League the football league's going well, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. Yeah, exactly, yeah. thanks for the warm up yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah dearie me but yes as the week goes on the international football ramps up ladies it and does. gentlemen and then it reaches fever pitch the end of next week of course Vish and speaking of fever pitch mm-hmm. speaking of fever pitch we have a very special book club which is out today on Football Ramble Presents. Jim and Kate spoke to the great Nick Hornby, author of Fever Pitch, one of the biggest football books of all time. Go and listen to it on Football Ramble Presents. It is a fascinating hour of conversation, if I may say so myself. You may, and I think if you're a, if you're a football fan of a certain age, you'll know exactly how important Fever Pitch is a book. But if you're a bit younger, mm-hmm. go and check it out because it's a, a book that really... I mean, it sold so many copies. I remember it being massive in the yeah, like, yeah. It sold a million copies, won Ridiculous. the Sportsbook of the Year and everything. And Nick Horby's kind of synonymous with it, even though he's done loads of uh, loads mm. of novels since then. 
So great that he gave up some of his time to chat to Jim and Kate, and it is well worth a listen, so subscribe. Absolutely right. On tomorrow's show, Jules, Luke and Vish. We're just going to stay here, and yeah. you're going to leave, and yeah. Jules will <laughs> tag team in and just abuse Vish. Yeah, lovely. Yeah. Save me the job. And I'm going to turn my back like a WWF ref. Yeah. <laughs> Pretend you've been knocked out yeah. while Jules gets out the chair. So I might not be here tomorrow. <laughs> not talking about attending fights when he's on a show with, with Jules, is he? <laughs> yeah, not when I'm the one being beaten up. <laughs> I wouldn't uh, go to that. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to the Football Ramble, everybody. Thank you very much, Luke Moore. Thank you very much. Thank you for Tushin and Thank you very much. Thank you, everybody. See you soon. Football Ramble is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creative Network.